Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. So nice to be back with you. A uh, really special episode we have today. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. You know, rather than doing an original showcase this time of year, because that's typically something that we would do, you know, once or maybe twice a year. Yeah, we haven't um, done that in a while. <laughs> yeah, where we'd kind of share some of the music we've been working on. We thought in place of doing that, um, we'd like to look at, you know, some project of ours and go through the entire thing and kind of be able to give our experiences, our stories, our insights. And we thought it might yeah, be nice our memories. to pick something that, you know, was released a while ago. It's not something, you know, it's not a project we're currently promoting. There's no sense right. of kind of hopefully we could be a little bit more objective about it and it could just be an opportunity to sort of discuss um, a little bit of cases, our process, just the yeah, making and, of a soundtrack. Yeah, I think exactly. some of you might might be interested in this. This was a soundtrack that was maybe the most like deeply collaborative that me and Will ever have done. And uh, yeah, and I think because of that, it holds a really special place in my heart. And it's one that I am very proud of. It really is one of the things I'm the most proud of that that we've done together. So today we're going to be talking about Asker. And what's interesting about this project, and I kind of think one of the reasons why um, we chose this as opposed to something else is, you know, this is an example of music that we wrote for a game that never saw the light of day. It never got released. Yep. The game wasn't finished and it was shelved. That happens. And that, that has been a tremendous part of like our experience working in yeah, games. Is, that's happened know, to us multiple times. It works out. Sometimes it doesn't, but the cool various thing about stages in which projects you know, can succeed. The cool thing about fail. this project is we were still able to release the soundtrack and we got permission from the dev. Uh, we'll talk about him today uh, to release the soundtrack on Bandcamp. And so the music has been able to, you know, get out into the world. And a lot of our fans talk to us about it every once in a while. People have talked to us in person at cons. We get emails about it. So um, yeah, it is, it is um, definitely a well-liked soundtrack of ours compared to, to others. Um, I hear people talk about it a lot, actually, to me. Well, and um, I think so the thing that's, that's really different, cool. the thing that's different, you know, in the instances where you and I have collaborated on an actual game score as opposed to, you know, um, a collaborative album or, you know, one of our concept album ideas is that typically those are done sometimes over the course of a long period of time. But usually when we're controlling our own deadlines and we're doing right. our own projects, we kind of tend to work on at an isolated pocket of time it's a lot quicker it's a lot more focused where mm -hmm. the thing about um especially indie game development is you're kind of working continuously on and off for a period of on and years. off is right <laughs> yeah and and yeah let's talk a little bit about the person who created this game and reached out to us his name is benny should we should we do last name or just leave it at benny yeah we today? can do let's do full name so Benny Lindberg uh, is the name of the dev of this game. He reached out to us um, b uh, via email. So I think he was a fan of either our podcast or some of the other Sonic-esque and Child of the Chozo, I think he actually mentioned in that first email. So he was based in Sweden. And I went back and looked through our Gmail and found some, some took, took some notes of dates here. So the first email we got from Benny was on November 19th, 2014. So that was the start of this project. He reached out to us, was a fan of our music. We, you know, said yes, absolutely. And at that time, well, I don't know if you remember this, he said, yeah, I'm just looking for about six tracks. 
So that was the right. first thing he sent us that he just wanted six tracks and he gave us a, you know. I think he was preparing we a, a price demo. for that. Yeah, he was preparing a demo, yeah. Uh, then later he would say, actually, no, there's more. It's just that, you know, once the <laughs> I, there's more to actually finish the game. Um, and the first finished piece of music that we sent him, which is called Hades Underworld, we'll get to it, uh, the first level theme, that was sent to him on November 28th, which is the morning after Thanksgiving 2014. And the final piece that we sent to him was April 5th, 2017. So that's two and a half years on and off that we worked on the score. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, we had a wonderful experience, I feel like, creatively working with Benny. He was very receptive to all of our ideas. Um, but one of the reasons we were really excited to do this is the style and look of the game um, was was really polished and fantastic. Like it was mm -hmm. very much going for, you know, a 16 bit side scroller action game, but it had a very clear kind of Norse aesthetic and complement mm -hmm. of characters. And it was it, I, it was kind of like a fun. It seemed like a game I would want to play. And yeah. his references for the music were all things well, that, I thought, you know, well, things that, that we play on the podcast. What do you think about this? Let's play the first track, and after that, let's. I'm going to share a couple things that he said in those first emails about some references, and then we'll kind of go from there. Sure. Uh, so Sounds let's good. do that. Um, that play-in was just a solo piano arrangement of a couple of themes, actually, from Asker. Uh, so let's start off with the first track on the score. This is the title theme. And fun fact, Will, do you remember this? This was the last thing we finished. Yeah. The last thing we finished on... Uh, April of 2017. So the title theme, the main theme of Asker. This is the title theme of our soundtrack to Asker. So this is by the Super Mercado Brothers. Uh, this score was composed by Will and myself, and we'll talk about our process and collaboration today. But yeah, I just want to share a couple things from one of the first emails we got from Benny. He said, The game is a platformer where you play as Thor, Norse god of thunder. The Norse gods have been kidnapped by their Greek counterparts, and it's up to Thor to rescue them. He said the inspiration for the music would be that of Matt Furness. That's kind of interesting. I don't know if you guys know that. Yeah, that was what he said. In games such as Wiz and Liz and the Lost Vikings for the Genesis. And actually, there is a sample. There's a huh Viking sample. And I'll just say it now. That was taken from the Lost Vikings. <laughs> Sorry if that's not up to code. But yes, we took that sample from the Lost Vikings. Um, uh, he said he wanted a somewhat funky but also Viking rock feel to the soundtrack and in a couple weeks later uh it turns out he would then send us a link to vert's altianus soundtrack and we actually already knew that we already loved that at the time and i know for us shovel knight was was a huge influence uh when we were actually composing it too yeah so for this title theme which is really the main theme of the of the character and of the game 
Um, what's interesting about it is the melody was something that I had composed on top of the next track that we're going to play. Carl, yeah, that's true. So the way that we collaborated on a, a lot of these, particularly Most early it, on, yeah. um, would be Carl would start with some sort of groove element and then often I would compose a melody on top of it. And the melody that I ended up writing on the stage select, to me, it just felt like I could picture this like iconic, more orchestrally presentation of yeah. it. Just because the intervals, the the notes of the melody, like it just sounded kind of heroic. And so I always knew that, you know, I wanted to go back and do that kind of version of it. And we but finally at the time, did, yeah. We weren't we weren't entirely sure if that would fit the tone of the game because like Carl was mentioning, a lot of the reference points were things like Matt Furness and were, were a decidedly more groove based music. What's funny so, to me is when I listen and I actually did, cause I haven't listened to those for a number of years, but I listened to a few tracks from Wiz and Liz and Lost Vikings and they couldn't be more different from the tone that we established on the score. So that is interesting that that was one of the references. Um, we'll talk more about our collaboration maybe after this, after we play this next track here, um, because there's a lot that I have to say about that. And I'm just excited to reminisce and, and share some memories of, of working on this game. And like we said, this is an interesting episode. It's a change of pace. It's a behind the scenes look uh, into making a score. And so we're going to let the music really speak for itself and just share our experiences. Let's play the next track now from the score. This is what Will mentioned. It's Stage Select. guys listening to stage select from asker um i still really enjoy <laughs> this track so i would say the majority of these tracks uh i started out by coming up with a chord progression and a groove and sometimes i would even write like an intro melody slash riff sometimes that happened um on tracks and then when like the the actual a and b and c sections would come in that would be melodies that will wrote and, and almost every track followed that pattern um but but another thing that was fun about this score is is i was kind of the i guess you could say the director of the the production and the sequencing however so many of these tracks if not all of them maybe I remember being side by side with Will, sitting with Will, and we made a lot of those decisions together. I, I have a memory of having a laptop on my lap in my old childhood room and you sitting right next to me and working on the sequencing and the mixing of Atlantis, for example. Well, I think because what, what's interesting is we definitely started with that approach where it was separate, like the first 
couple yeah. tracks, this being an example, you would literally send me something and then yeah. I would separately write something on top of it and then give you the MIDI data and we'd put it back in. But as we continued, it actually became much more side by side in the room yeah. together. Which so was what amazing. I would say is like, since you were focusing more on the production, by the time we really hit our stride with this project, I feel like we would write the ideas together in the room and in the room I feel like I was the one at the piano more like playing around with ideas but you were being like the producer and you were saying no well, don't yeah. do that and it needs to go here and then you would do the arrangements basically of right and there was a couple examples where uh, you started from scratch but more often than not uh, there was some sort of groove or chord idea that that I would come up with first and because I remember doing that in my keyboard in my apartment uh, and then we would meet over at the house and I would, you know, you would you would then take that groove or that chord progression and say, oh, what if then it went here? And then maybe you write Well, I mean, section. I think that's what's cool is that every track was different. I think in, since this took us so long, I feel like the way we were writing the early tracks were very much informed very different, by the yeah. fact that we were in the same place. Where with the right. later tracks, we we were physically so far apart that the process yeah. had to change a little. And so that's... I'm I, excited. Yeah, let's a lot of let's these talk different. about the logistics of that when after we play this track. So this was actually the very first track that we sent. As I said, we sent this the day after Thanksgiving, way back in 2014. Let's take a listen to the first stage theme. It's Hades Underworld. You guys are listening to Hades Underworld, and to me, I hear, personally, a lot of Jay Kaufman influence on this track. It was the first one we worked on and sent to Benny, uh, and I remember that email still. I still remember that reply we got. Uh, he was really excited about this, really liked this track. Uh, so yeah, the huh sound you hear, 
That's from the Lost Vikings. But the stage select theme actually featured a unique Viking huh sound that we didn't use anywhere else in the score. And that wasn't from that. I think that was we worked on that together. Well, that's when I made I recorded like a choral raw yep. like in reaper and like put reverb on it and made like a thing and then i turned it into a dpcm sample that's on right. the nes yeah. so it compresses it down to a one right. bit file yeah, so this what's interesting about hades underworld the first stage theme in the game we didn't quite land exactly where we wanted to on the sound we knew that it was going to have fm and that was going to be the the bulk of the sound because that's what he wanted uh, and it felt right uh, kind of like a Genesis slash arcade sound. But we also wanted to incorporate some synths uh, as well as some sampled stuff. So SNES-esque stuff here and there. Um, it kind of took us a while to really get the balance of that and what felt asker to us. Um, so this track, I love this track. I think we both really love it. But uh, some of the instrument choices, I think if we were to be able to go back to it we, we, we might have changed some of some of the instrument choices because it, it wasn't quite the balance that that it that it eventually became yeah i mean i think the thing for me about all this music and one of the reasons i was excited to work on this project is regardless of whatever the end production would have been even if it was an entirely chiptune score there's something about that that it's mostly is almost a statement that the underlying music the melodies the grooves the chord progressions are more important than the actual sonic presentation. And yeah. I think even though our arrangements went beyond just the chip music thing, I still feel like that philosophy, um, it was kind of how we approached the sounds. So I, I everything is meant to kind of celebrate the actual musical ideas in it. Yeah, I would we say wanted overall, it to feel like arcade music, I guess. Instrument-wise, if you take the whole soundtrack and add it up, I would say 70% of the sounds are FM synth. 20% of the sounds are sample, so Super Nintendo-esque. And then only about 10% are synth sounds, I would say. Because as we went uh, on and, and worked more and more, we rarely used synth because we just really felt like the FM was kind of the heart of of the score. And so that kind of changed a little bit. But yeah, one of the things, and we'll get into this, we're going to play the first boss theme. This is an idea that, that we had. Shovel Knight had just come out, and we were so inspired by how Jake took the stage melody and did like a really rocking version of that for his boss themes. We really wanted to do that for this game. Uh, and and so, yeah, that's, that's what you're going to hear here. This is the Hades boss fight. Let's take a listen. We're listening to the Hades boss fight, which, as Carl mentioned, is kind of an arrangement of the material from the Hades underworld. And the way that yep. this one was done was the way that kind of like... So we talked about the process where it started with 
production. It started with groove, bass line, mm-hmm. drums, all the things Carl's doing. But the way that this one started was, uh, and often the way that I would give materials to Carl is I was just writing in Reaper in MIDI with like very crude basic sounds. I was basically just trying to get the pitch material of like how how is the melody going to be um, modified to fit and this rocked. certain tempo <laughs> and to kind rock of out. In, uh, yeah, we sort of figured out what the chord progression would be and everything. But then I would send Carl all that MIDI material and he would take, and that's basically just the skeleton. It's almost like the digital lead sheet of the yeah. idea. And then he would fully arrange it with all of the sounds. So in, and that's like what we said. Sometimes we were right side by side doing the, the production. This is one I don't, I wasn't there in person with you doing no. the production, but I remember no, one I did writing my the notes of the, myself, yeah. of kind of the riffs so, and how so it was changing. So one thing that, that's interesting. So um, <laughs> the original apartment, and and I'll say it, there's, there's an avenue in St. Paul. Uh, it eventually becomes Cleveland Avenue, but for a little bit, it's called St. Paul Avenue. That's literally what it's called. And that was where I had this apartment, and that was the original Mercado HQ is where we recorded the first episode of our podcast, and I lived there for a number of years. Uh, So I I did mention that we started this in November of 14. I would move out of that apartment in August of 2015. So the first, like, I would say third of this soundtrack, all the work that that I did, if we weren't at our house together, childhood house, um, it would be done in that apartment. Uh, and then eventually, you know, I moved to Uptown Minneapolis. And so like maybe the second, the two thirds of the score, uh, all my work was done there. Or again, Will would come home on breaks a lot. So most of this music had some element of it that was worked on in the same room when yeah. Will was on a Thanksgiving break, a summer break, a winter break. Uh, and like we were kind of like always that. sharing ideas, you know, when I was, when we were apart and I was in college, you know, it was constantly like whenever I was by a piano, I was like yeah. trying to play around with some idea and I'd send Carl ideas and we would, we had very vague notions of like, yeah, maybe that could be something for the final stage, but we'll deal mm-hmm. with that in a few years when we get to right. that point. Totally. Yeah. And I do have a memory of, you know, it was kind of a sad period in my life when I moved out of that apartment. Um, I lived with roommates in Uptown and I hadn't done that for a long time. I was living alone in St. Paul. Um, and it was just kind of personally kind of a tough period. And I remember mm. um, that projects like Asker and, and it was off and on. So it would have been nice if it was more constant. Uh, was a really good distraction and just something to have. I do have a lot of memories of working on plenty of tracks up in that that bedroom in that house. We lived in a big house with two other guys. A uh, shout out actually to both of them. My two roommates were the Sertian brothers, Zach Sertian. If anyone came to VGMCon last year, he's the amazing pianist that performed that uh, Mercado solo piano concert. Uh, and then his brother Aiden, he's actually the person who shot all the really awesome one-take Mercado band videos. Um, so really, really talented dudes. And so yeah, I have a lot of memories of being, uh, you know, up in up in that bedroom working on the Asker stuff. But yeah, I think there's an energy to this score, and I'm really excited today to just talk more broadly just about our our memories and experiences. But like, there's an energy to the score that wouldn't have come out if we only sent us stuff you were at umd yes but like you came home quite a bit yeah and we did a lot of work side by side will do you have any now i don't remember this do you have any memories of coming over to that uptown house did we ever do any asker work 
together no, there? No, I don't think we did any work together there. Okay. Um, because the thing is, is since I went to my college was also in Minnesota, it was in Northern Minnesota, I could come home and it would be, you know, two and a half hour, three hour drive. So I could come home on a weekend. If we knew that we had to work on a track, sometimes it was just easier to say like, let's work on that while I'm home. And we would meet up at the house almost just to like save time to take advantage of as much (laughs) time while I'm there before I had to, to leave. And so we yeah. ended up, we went out of our way to do that because the thing that I love about writing music in person with someone is there's this, it's almost like a hive mind mentality that even if one person is literally playing an instrument and the other person isn't in that moment, for me, what happens is I feel like I start to take on Carl's yeah, you start to do things you think I would like. Yeah, so I'm trying to do my version of a Carl melody. When I had the laptop, you know, on my lap, and you were sitting next to me, I was doing things instrument wise, production wise, you know, arrangement wise that I thought you would like too. And so, yeah, that Hmm. energy transfer is a big part of the score. Well, let's play two back to back because we have a jingle, and then we'll move right into the next track. So this is stage clear. We'll talk about both of them after stage clear, followed by the mini boss fight. Okay, so this is a mini boss fight here that was preceded by Stage Clear. Now, I have a vague memory, maybe I'm thinking of a different project we worked on, where this was, uh, did we originally not have the idea to do the boss variations, and this was what was going to be the Hades boss, and then it was rejected, or was this always no, the mini boss? No, I think boss? this was always going to be the mini boss theme, I might and be the idea was Neander that there. every... Yeah, yeah boss theme would be yeah we, there's a lot of kind of the thing that was interesting about asker is we didn't have i don't really remember there ever being a track that was rejected from like that's true its, yeah i don't think there was purpose that there were notes that, there was things we go back um, and change but there was never anything where we had to completely go back to the drawing board or end up using it in a totally different context or something really quick well i want you to just uh say what was some of your big inspirations in that stage clear how how you um came up with those chords for that that interesting variation so that was also one of the earliest things that i feel like i remember writing that was after in like either December or maybe January of well, 15. after doing the stage select and I had written that theme, I immediately was like, I imagined what the title theme version of it was with those March rhythms and everything. And I was thinking like, would there be some way of having almost the book end? So like the beginning and ending of the game and then some of these interstitial jingles and stuff to have sort of an orchestral element to it. So when I was writing the stage clear, I think I wanted to tap into the feeling of like 
you know, the the great video game stage clears like Sonic the Hedgehog, but I wanted to right. approach it from a way that it's would be more like, what filmic. if Alan Silvestri or yeah. like John Williams well, wrote that's, something and we'll, like that? That's one of my favorite things about what we did on this score is that we have a bit of that Sonic energy, that Genesis 90s energy to it and funk and, and fun and groove. But there's a lot of filmic influence harmonically. And I think that combination is pretty unique, actually, as far as like how we landed on it. And different tracks have different balances. Well, and for I think sure. a lot of that, too, it's like, but it's cool, was what I was getting into a lot at the time. Yeah, yeah, and totally. some of this stuff was made as Marty and I were starting Underscore. So it was like studying a lot of film music. So it's like, I couldn't help but want to put Will, some of that the stuff. The thing in that there. I think is special is. You would agree with this. If you were just working on it, let's say a track like uh, Arcadia Forest or, or what one of these tracks, like if it was just you, <laughs> there's no way it would have been as funky and like as groove centric as what it is because harmonically it's so filmic and there's really like bold, interesting modulations, interesting changes. But a lot of times it has this kind of funk rhythm section right. to and it. And that's what and I'm I saying. I love that combination. But that's what I'm saying is it's like, it would be easy to listen to that and think, oh, I wrote some like flowery orchestral piece and you turned it into, but yeah, what that's it was not more what like, it's like we were yeah. in the room together. So it's like, I right. was playing ideas that are like, what's Carl going to like? And right. I, the the harmonic part of it was something almost less conscious. That was like yeah, me. Totally. I can't help, but I have certain tastes and things that I like to do. But yeah, the it was groove a cool stuff was what I was being conscious of because I wanted to make something that you would really like. And that's why I feel like yeah. that, that's what's so great about collaboration is it can get you out of your head and yep. out of your sort of sense of what do I do here? You start thinking about the other person and what can I do to make them happy? What can so I cool. do to give them something that they're going to really like and be inspired by and want to like take and run with? Yeah. So um, again, not talking about uh, <laughs> our consensus on the quality of the music, but I will say this: this track is probably my favorite on the score. Um, yeah. If there was a lead single, it would probably be this one. Other than maybe closely tied to some of the later boss music, I, I'm very, very proud of. But yes, very proud of this track. It is the second stage theme. It's Atlantis, and this one starts with an opening riff. And Will has has told me many times that this is his favorite contribution of mine from the score. Um, and and I kind of feel similarly about Will's subsequent melodies that come in. Uh, it's it it is a it is quite a good one two punch. And starting this is off another with that, one that, that we riff. worked on in person. We did work on this in person. Yeah, I, a quick memory of this one is we kind of quote finished the track, uh, and then we wanted to add another section to it or it could have been later when we did a medley we wanted to go back to it and i couldn't find one of the instruments that we used because i'd already rendered a wave of it and and so when we went back to this i think it maybe was working on that medley later uh for the ending but um we couldn't find the <laughs> the riff instrument actually so it only exists in time in this in this song here so let's take a listen to atlantis
Atlantis. Uh, and a good example of what I was talking about, that combination, like the melody here, um, it reminds me of a film. It's just very emotional and spiritual. Uh, that bass, though, is, is quite busy and funky uh, and some syncopation on the drums um, that is just kind of stuff that is very natural to me. And so, yeah, it's just a really interesting combination on this track. And maybe in some ways the most effective um, combination as far as like each of our different styles and our different tastes um, that are very different coming together to create something that is cohesive and kind of special. Well, and I think to to both of us, it's like what we wanted this to be like, and this is what Jay Kaufman did so brilliantly on Shovel Knight. And that's why I think his influence was less about the music itself and more about the philosophy of the music. Yeah, that it's 100%. like you're taking influence from classical music, from film music. You're 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 writing complicated stuff from but fusion, yet it's from packaged prog, from rock, into this all kinds of stuff. form that's more like a pop song, this like eight yeah. bit pop song. Yeah, and there's a lot of pop stuff on this stuff. Uh, score, a lot of prog stuff, especially in boss fights. And so yeah it it was really fun to explore so many different styles on this. Let's move on to the subsequent boss fight. This is the Poseidon boss fight. Here we go. still love this track gotta admit Poseidon boss fight and the moments when we have an SNES lead on this score are always uh, pretty powerful in my opinion because they're a little bit more rare so when that happens uh, yeah it just it kind of has like a totally different energy to it and kind of vibe to it Um, we've in in some ways it felt like I don't know it's interesting that we made that decision back in 2014 to have a combination of Genesis and SNES especially because eventually that's something that Jake would <laughs> would kind of do. So, yeah, I think it was a good choice because I think it feels retro and familiar but also fresh because we don't really have a lot of soundtracks that ever did that, but at the same time, we recognize each of those separate elements. And so, uh, yeah, and, and we were actually surprised how smooth that worked to put it all together. I remember the first, whether or not it was Hades or, or what, whatever that track was when we kind of first tried putting together Genesis instruments, Super Nintendo instruments, synths, and it was like, this actually works. Like, it totally works. Well, part of it is like the 
idea of the game and the character it's like having all these norse tropes so in the same way that like castlevania needs to package like classical horror music silent era like cliches into the idiom of like an 80s power ballad and that's like the style of the music we wanted to do something similar with like filmic um, almost medieval stuff, like the kind of stuff that's in so many RPG games, yet this is an action game. So it's like we just wanted to blend those two kind of energies. And I think the yeah. idea of doing a mix of, you know, the two 16-bit consoles, it's like we need the groove, action, and rockness of the Genesis, but we need the kind of orchestral fantasy, high fantasy of the Super Nintendo. And I kind of think in many yep. ways... Carl and I each represented those forces. I think I was more the like orchestral fantasy and like that's like what you were saying about like the melodies I read. I was intentionally writing these like melodies using very simple open intervals that sounded kind of medieval and mm -hmm. almost like something that you could do in a film or a classical style orchestra piece yet you were bringing the genesis groove pop song catchy almost 90s sort of energy and i think it's like the mixture of those two things uh was what was so fun and once we had so kind of established that then we would go into tracks with that as the idea of like yeah that became kind of the style that we were intentionally it's like we stumbled into it by accident in some ways it feels like but then <laughs> once we figured out what was cool we embraced about it, it then we kind we of totally just leaned it. into it well let's imagine that thor just died this is the game over let's listen So game over themes are tricky uh, because a lot of times the emotion that you're going for is is a mixed subtle emotion. It's not always like fully sad and tragic or fully scary and horrifying. A lot of times it's this combination, and and this is a good example of that. Emotionally, will what are some of the adjectives that when we were working on this before we started to work on it? What are some of the adjectives that you were trying to achieve? I I, I guess. I, I don't know that I was thinking as much in terms of adjectives other than just that I had very specific genre ideas of like what needed to happen and the idea mm -hmm. of like I want to really evoke the kind of like Norse folk thing to characterize Thor but also I wanted it to feel like we're getting a kind of like beaten down heroes theme so it's yeah. heroic but like also a, this kind of chord progression and the way it's it's so 80s like it just sounds almost like an 80s like like a version of a survivor song or a song yeah, by it's, journey it's heroic or something and like empowering but there there is a sadness to it as well that's not there in the 80s pop songs so yeah that's that, that's kind of interesting that um that that's how we finalized it and so much of that is just that's that's the sound of a lot of old game music to me it's like yeah. the mixture of those slight it's whatever genre thing it's doing but then it's still got to be like an 80s kind of like <laughs> the certain chord progression certain melodic things that it's like there's this propensity towards like groove and something being catchy with old game music that it's like even yep. though we didn't have those necessary limitations it's like 
Mm-hmm. I think we still try to write music within that framework of like, okay, it's the game over, but it has to still have a catchy melody. It has to still yeah. be like singable. It has to be something that would like get stuck in your head because to to us that put us back in the time period of like what it felt like to play games on the Super Nintendo and totally. the Genesis. Uh, so Will's better with pronunciation than I am. Uh, would you say this is Relay Stage? Is that how you'd pronounce that? Yeah, I, I don't know. It might be Relay. <laughs> R-apostrophe-L-Y-E-H. This is a hidden area. Uh, it's a creepy, kind of an oddball track, but I really like it. <laughs> From Asker. Here we go. guys listening to (laughs) the hidden area theme from asker um this one was interesting i remember talking on the phone about it and i came up with that really small super simple nugget um but will was really into it and he thought it was the right kind of kernel to eventually expand and send us was great is i feel like we had i remember having a phone call of being like it needs to be something simple in between like the mario underground and like the donkey kong country cave like something simple but like kind of melodic and identifiable and you nailed it like this little will say there's so much character to it you have to tell everyone what is your confession about this one though well so i mean and i guess it's not really a confession because it's just a chord progression but i was so obsessed with you know the gershwin porgy and bess Score and Summertime, obviously one of the most iconic songs. Not the Sublime song? (laughs) Yeah, but in Summertime, it kind of opens with this progression of these two minor six chords um, just shifting back and forth. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know why. There's something about it that evokes something modal. It almost evokes like the Phrygian mode a little bit. Um, and there, that kind of darkness felt sort of cavernous, but also mysterious. Like the sound of that sixth gives this like weird, hopeful quality. Um, and so th- there's something about that progression that like 
I don't know what I was fixated on at the time for some reason. But then it was like, I, I didn't want anyone to listen to it and say like, Oh, sounds yeah. like summertime. <laughs> so it's like constructing like it, yeah. these arpeggios and everything. And just, I feel like it became kind of a simple track. Like the way my idea and Carl's idea work together, they fit on top of so each other. So if you thought that was even remotely creepy, just wait to get to this boss. Uh, let's see. I'll probably pronounce it. Cthulhu boss fight. This is the hidden boss. Here we go. Cthulhu boss fight, the hidden boss, definitely Turtles in Time orchestra hits. I will recognize those anywhere. Um, a lot of synth instruments in this one. That was interesting that we, I think at this point we're like, you know what? We must have listened to Hades Underworld and we're like, you know what? We we have to have some synth representation See, throughout the score. Like Otherwise, that would have been be a weird. Carl thought. I, yeah, I yeah. think I was more just focused on... a lot on of synth on this one. The melody and chord progression like yeah. for this. And I remember... Um, I think I, you know, we, the order of the soundtrack isn't the order that things were composed in. So at this point we had already written several boss themes. And so we didn't want to have this predictable gimmick that every boss fight is just the stage theme arranged rocking in a minor sense. Yeah, so this we, one's very different. This one, but yeah, it we, still is. It still has that melody. And the nature of Cthulhu is more, you know, large and threatening and imposing. So I remember Benny wanted something like really epic. Well, and, yeah, and one grand. of the coolest things about this. Um, Yes, I'm trying to be objective. I think it's cool. <laughs> Is how you bring back that da 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 in such a different context uh, than that original simple bass riff so yeah that, I, I enjoyed that yeah and i think of what became fun is like finding ways to recontextualize parts of the melody so that someone listening to it might not even recognize that they're hearing the stage yeah that was kind of thing. the idea for sure but uh, hopefully there's some subconscious like link in your mind let's move on to the next stage theme it's arcadia forest <laughs>
You guys listening to Arcadia Forest, uh, my favorite section of this is the chorus. I think it's it's really well done. Um, yeah, this was a bold choice to have that hydrosity lead instrument because it's just so iconic to the Sonic series. Um, mm-hmm. But there's so many other elements to this track that aren't just Sonic-y, so I think, I think it does work. Yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting going back to this... Um, this score. I, I listened to this score for the first time in many, many years just a few weeks ago, and I texted Will. I, I just was really surprised how much I enjoyed it and how much I thought it held up, and just still really, really proud of all this music. Um, but yeah, it is it is interesting like hearing how this music, like I said, it was made in the course of two and a half years. Sometimes there'd be months in between any work that was done. Um, so yeah, we definitely kind of got further and further into like what types of emotion can we inject into this? What types of influences can we bring that might be surprising and not our immediate right. idea? And I think that was something that became more and more prevalent as, uh, and some of the later tracks in the score were done quite late, I will say. Right. Um, and with some of those, it was like, okay, yeah, we could do this, but what else? What else could we do? Yeah, what could we do I that's think maybe part of it not too, it's also idea? like that felt like of the spirit of old school video games where you're more likely to play the early stages a lot in the later stages less. Yeah. So we wanted there to feel like some evolution that it's like, okay, at this point we've gotten sort of the sound and style. Now we can kind of stretch it a little bit. And we, we mm-hmm. had always been waiting to find like, when can we do a track in major? When can we do something to just have a <laughs> contrasting feeling? And this right. forest track seems sort of perfect. And um, Benny was kind of personifying the character of pan and so we wanted something with a pan flute that had this sort of light danciness but there's but, only a little bit of pan flute in there there's more right. in the boss fight <laughs> well and i think the sort of idea it's like these with these shifting major chords that there's something like in between happy and mysterious about it and so mm-hmm. i think it's kind of like playful Something about whenever we weren't sure about the style, it seemed like we could always lean back on something else. So like this track feels different than the other ones, but it's relationship to like film music-y harmony. And then also like when the melody comes in and it's just kind of a very classic VGM sounding like groovy type thing, I feel like it. That that was always something that we would lean into. That it's like mm-hmm. that's something that unites all the tracks is that it sounds like old school game music. So in some ways, because they all had that, we could feel free over time to explore different moods, different genres, and stuff. Yeah, let's play the subsequent boss theme. This is Pan Boss Fight. <laughs>
You guys are listening to Pan Boss Fight. And so this and the next, so let's see. Yeah, after this, there's two other boss themes. So these kind of like final three boss themes I am particularly proud of. And I just think that we definitely were at a point production-wise and create creativity-wise where we just were kind of firing on a different level, in my humble opinion. I'm really proud of these these last three boss boss themes well me too man i mean i i the thing is is like one of the reasons i was happy to kind of talk about this project again and bring it up is i just have a lot of fond memories of working on this with you and um you know i mean it's like whenever we've collaborated there's always been a mixture of um moments of inspiration and joy and moments of conflict and arguments Mm -hmm. and differing ideas and everything and it's a process that a lot of that though i will say like oh certainly i mean i think we've always had a productive collaboration but i think it's just Mm -hmm. it's part of the nature even if you're working on something on your own friction is a part of the creative process even if you're completely by yourself yeah that leads to better always uh you're you're never quite satisfied so it's like when you go through that with another person there's gonna be "Uh, i don't know if i like that and we both will bring that kind of because we want to make the track better and so going through that with someone else the fact that we're brothers i think makes that kind of stuff more possible where we can be genuinely honest with each other in a way that i think if we were just friends if we were like if we didn't have that close relationship we might not feel comfortable to you know be as honest about our we are brothers and and not just brothers but like at this point we had a few years more than that if you count some of the silly stuff we did before mercado bros like number of years of experience working together creatively like yeah like we were able to push each other and and if there was something that we thought could be be a little tighter or go a different way we weren't afraid to to say that uh this is another short piece of music it's a new evil rises Okay, so yes, that is establishing the tone of kind of the end section of the game. So what we have is we just have two more stages uh, and then two subsequent uh, bosses, and and that's it. So yeah, we're approaching the end. Anything quickly you want to say about this before we move on to Mount Olympus, Will? Yeah, I mean, one thing that we wanted to explore in the game was like having themes, having not not just like stage melodies, full tunes, but like actual mm-hmm. little melodic motifs that could be reinterpreted. It happens from the stage to the boss, but it also happens across tracks sometimes. And we wanted to establish this sort of organy villainous theme. And I was actually taking pipe organ lessons in college at the time. One sort of funny story is I ended up writing a piece for organ taking this exact material and then going into kind of a more classical arrangement of the final boss theme and i Mm -hmm. i play this for my composition teacher and he was also my organ teacher and uh he really liked it but i was i think too nervous to admit (laughs) what 
it was really from because I, you know, I couldn't imagine that he would then understand he said, Never or mind, be I into <laughs> the game music version. That's funny. Okay, let's play uh, Mount Olympus. You guys listening to Mount Olympus? Um, I really like this track a lot. Uh, this one was also done in that same room that we were mentioning before that we did a lot of work together. And this one had a similar energy to Atlantis because I remember bringing in that opening kind of arpeggiated section. And Will See, was I have really a memory that into you it. wrote that at the yeah, piano. And, I did. And- yeah, Will. Will was really excited by that, and that always feels good when you bring something in and someone really likes it, and I think that energy led him to really take take it and run with it, and then also led me to want to really do something special with the final product and the sequencing. Yeah, and the that's something and all that, that was striking me listening to it, because my memories, again, and what was fun about this project this one is turned out I really feel good. like... I was able to focus on the notes. I was able to focus on the melodies, the underlying, the big ideas. But like Carl was focusing on the granular detail as well as big idea stuff. And there were times when we, you know, would share ideas about the sound or instruments. Um, particularly, like I would have like a lot of, you know, opinions about what I wanted the melody instrument to be. But what I'm listening to now is hearing this mixture of that like genesis fm brass with like yeah. choir sounds in like it's this so snes cool, harp i gotta say it's it really cool really well. i i, I and, never and this one um is just such a unique piece of music how we ended that loop with that that chord in in quotes like that chord that is such a bold chord with the harp like glisses getting yeah, I mean, back i, to I hope people beginning. like it i think i was when i listen to it it's sometimes a i feel a little self-conscious that's like it was i injecting too much kind of like film musicy stuff but i guess i feel like it was fun to you know with all the norse stuff most of the music is underlying groove based um but with you know this kind of style being evoked slightly and with this track we wanted to go more overt with it um but i think what my favorite part of it is still that sort of 
which is very asker very poppy to me it's like that's a groovy version of like a zelda b section because there's definitely a lot of like koji kondo zelda influence on all of this music and that that is something (laughs) i feel kind of self-conscious about like even when we were playing i think it was like the pan boss fight and it starts with Mm -hmm. that i'm like that's a mario boss like that's just i'm so ripping off koji all the time that's hilarious even when i'm not trying well let's do the subsequent boss theme this one i'm really proud of zeus boss fight You guys listening to Zeus boss fight and Will reminded me that this is the only track that we did work on in that house, that uptown house, uh, the Sertian house. Uh, yeah, I think in the basement, Will said after a Mercado band, maybe the first I think ever was, Mercado yeah, the, band I practice. have a memory of being the very first one that we yeah, did. Yeah, um, which was the fall of 2016. Um, yeah, this one... I think came together really well. It's it's one of my favorite boss themes as far as like taking material that we established in a stage theme um, and presenting it in a way that, and this is always the goal, I think, for our boss themes in this project, right? Well, we're, if someone just heard this boss theme, we don't want it to feel awkward or forced. We want it to be an effective theme that, that anyone could enjoy. But if you if you played the game and played the level, and now you won't be able to, maybe one day someone will make will finish this game. Uh, then it kind of adds a whole other level to it emotionally. Well, and I think um, something that I I like about the boss themes almost more as they go is we would only take the elements from the stage theme that would lend themselves naturally to something like this. So like the right. dun, 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 like it already had this like martial heroic-y section that honestly in the Mount Olympus track feels like kind of a left turn but that's why that material would be so good for the boss because it's already like mm. threatening and imposing yeah. so we would use stuff like that but you know maybe that that melody like it's like that's mm-hmm. that's not gonna even if you made that, that would minor, be awkward, that's not yeah. gonna sound good as a boss tune so it's kind of like writing a new theme and new material around that but just enough to hint at the mount olympus track so it feels like a continuation of it that was a fun one that was kind of fun Uh, to make those decisions together because again this is another one we wrote in the same room at the same time this is one of my favorite stage themes i gotta say this is the final stage um let's see if i can pronounce it right frozen (laughs) yggdrasil i think it's yggdrasil yggdrasil it's the final stage and there's a fun little (laughs) memory and story about this one is we had basically the whole idea down 
and Will was like, "Oh, dude, let's do let's do a Star Fox two like bridge on this one." Well, <laughs> and like the- as soon as he said, that, I was like, "I knew exactly." This is why we're such nerds. I knew exactly what he was talking about. I was like, "Yes, do it. Let's do I it." I want that Eladard thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's a little fun fact. You guys can listen for that bridge later. This is Frozen Yggdrasil. You guys listening to Frozen Yggdrasil, which is the final stage. You know, this might be my second uh, favorite stage theme behind Atlantis. I think the melodies are really strong. The the groove, uh, the implementation, all of it. I, I'm very proud of this one. I think it's one of the strongest on the score. Um, yeah, that Star Fox 2-esque <laughs> bridge is, a, is really cool. And we really leaned into the SNES instruments there, too. That bell instrument is from Eladard. From mm-hmm. Star Fox 2, so that's cool. Will, so yeah, you had a memory of how you wrote the main theme to this? So, yeah, this is a, an example of something that every single underlying idea in this was the result of like something that initially came to me just singing. So this melody I remember coming up with in the shower on the Thanksgiving that we first wrote the Hades Underworld <laughs> before you got there. I Couple think I was just earlier, really excited yeah. and inspired about like, working on this new game and so it's just luckily it wasn't lost (laughs) and then years later i i remember when i was a sophomore in college um the other the kind of bridge section melody was another thing that just i recorded as a voice memo to save for later but and i do that a lot like i'll record voice memos and i won't do something with it until i'm like okay i need a a good b section and then it takes sort of the pressure off having to like yeah. come up with something out of thin air to like lean on these older ideas so i remember before we made this track i don't think i did anything for carl other than I sent him a voice memo of me just mm-hmm. singing through the whole thing. This is the only track we did that way where I didn't, I don't think it I worked, touched man. a keyboard. I didn't, I didn't input MIDI or anything. I literally just sang you the, the themes of the whole track. And what's funny is that B section, um, the, um, uh, 
that literally was like improvised because I was as I was recording that voice memo for you I'm like oh there needs to be like a second section before it goes to this other thing so I just started making something up and that ended up being what it is and then when you Mm -hmm. arranged it you know kind of with those like uh, eight bit square wavy sounds with the parallel thirds I'm just like oh my god that sounds so cool yeah and it's also fun too because like I'm not surprised to hear that because at this point we had been working together on this project for so long. And so we really, when, when it was time to work on something together, like we really were in the zone and we knew the sound super intimately and, and yeah, it it was kind of easy. Like what's funny is like this track was done in a blur. Like (laughs) it was, it was pretty easy to do to be honest. And I think that that's kind of a, a good omen. So this is the final boss theme, everyone. Yeah. It's a subsequent boss to the Yggdrasil uh, stage. It's, would you say, Ymir, Amir, the Ice I would Giant? Say Ymir, would you... probably. Ymir, the Ice Giant, which is the final boss from Asker. giant this is the final boss and i remember specifically <laughs> telling will we got to go back to that silly sync lead synth instrument that we use in hades underworld we have to have some sort of cohesion um and so yes that instrument you might remember from hades underworld uh yeah man this is a dense epic piece of music there's so much happening here it would be cool to do some sort of episode where we do a breakdown analysis on original tunes because this one could have a cool breakdown and analysis i mean it's it's so dense there's so much going on implementation wise with arpeggios and um a lot of different instruments uh the groove is really frantic yeah it's it has a cool um pulse solo (laughs) later on but yeah this i like this one a lot yeah and this is one where again i feel like our two you know halves of the coin were brought together because this is when i did craft out the harmonies and everything at the piano and the melodies and even especially all the organ stuff and it was like a lot of intricate work but it was entirely written without any emphasis of the groove stuff because i knew (laughs) carl would put intense rock drums in that like kind of distorted guitar low thing 
And then it's like, honestly, you just put those two things together. Because if you listen to what I did without the grooves, it just sounds like threatening and creepy. It almost sounds like yeah. it could be turned into like a John Williams kind of theme, like Voldemort's theme or something. Like it, it was, it's very much that. And the second part was very classical in dramatic bomb, 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 bomb. But like this could have been turned into like a Grant Kirkhope kind of piece but yeah. again it's like the direction that carl brought the groove which is i mean we we knew we were going to do that all along it's not like there yeah. was a question of not doing that but it's just like it was fun that the two things that we brought to it couldn't have been more different in terms of style and emotional connotation yet when you bring them together it yeah. made it oh it's a final boss theme it's not just like right a and, scary and again monster. it was another example um and it was fun there was a couple times in the score where i could do like a little solo which is yeah <laughs> you know, it's not you don't have all the opportunities to do that on a score like this but whenever you do it's always really fun and i feel like what i loved about the solo that you did is it was very yoshi's island it was very yeah, like totally. getting into that like prog rock kind of like koji kondo Devious. solo which it just yeah may, it made me happy because it's like the whole thing feels so video gamey it's like a video game solo it's it, rather than yeah. like just i i don't know I, I i appreciated that some of the nods to like the bluesiness of that nice all right we're getting ready to wrap up folks this is uh the second to last um the credits will be our play out but before that let's take a listen to the ending theme That was the ending theme. So what did that call back to, Will? So that calls listeners. back to the a few things. So the main, the first fanfare is new because since the, the track itself was going to expand upon the stage clear medley, we still needed an actual triumphant fanfare for beating the boss. So mm-hmm. I, I just wrote something new there. Very kind of cliche, but like fun, very clearly celebratory fanfare. But then it goes into the stage clear, the um, da, 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 da. And when I first came up with the idea for the stage clear all those years ago, I had the idea for this as like the yeah. ending version that was kind of sad and romantic and farewell ish. But again, back then we didn't know if we were going to go in that direction for any of the score because everything right. had been more groove based. So it ended up being as we were completing it, kind of this fun way of having variety that at these key moments, the title theme, the stage clear, this ending certain things like the intros to the boss or that, you know, a new evil rises where we get a little classical where we get a little like almost orchestral or like not necessarily groovy at all but because it's a video game you know when i was working on this version at some point i wanted like the kind of swung bass groove to kind of come in and then i wanted to allude to carl's stage select that was cool since because that's i wanted to go back to like what some of the earliest music you hear in the game and it sets up um the 
final track on the score, which is the credits, uh, quite well. So what? Uh, and this is our last track, so we'll have to talk about it and set it up before we play you guys out with the whole thing. It's a little over two minutes, so it starts out with a really rocking and high energy celebratory theme. That hey, you just beat the game, good job. Then going into a very Sonic-inspired medley of not all the music in the score, but a smattering of the themes that we've heard. Um, and what we, so what we wanted to do for this, do rather than... Because what happens in Sonic is there's a lot of tempo changes. There's a lot of stopping and starting. We wanted this to feel like one continuous piece of music. So you literally mm-hmm. go from the Hades Underworld intro into the... the atlantis melody and it's like in a way that you wouldn't even know everything is just like what i was talking about since we were doing this i had to go back to the session of atlantis and sure enough i couldn't find that original instrument so it had to be slightly altered and so yeah um a lot of work went (laughs) went into this medley production wise it took actually a long time um but yeah that was that was basically asker and we had a really great time working on it and Maybe we'll send an email to Benny uh, to see if if there's any future where he or someone else could could finish this game because it it looked really great. We were sent a couple demos, some screenshots, some videos. It all looked awesome. We were very inspired um, with making this music. But at the end of the day, it's a soundtrack that lives and it exists. And um, thanks everyone for enjoying it and for leaving nice comments to us over the years about so, it. So, Carl. Before we leave, what are kind of some of your, what are, in terms of like positive and negative, what are some things that you would change about the music or things that you maybe not necessarily have regrets, but stuff you would do differently? And then also what are the particular things that you're the most happy with coming back to it all these years later? Yeah, there's not a lot that I feel that I would do differently and that I feel, I guess, if you want to say negative about. I would change some of the instrumentation and just some of the choices on Hades Underworld because when you listen to that and then go to the rest of the album, like if we were to go back and listen to that now (laughs) after having an hour of getting used to the sound of Asker, not quite, we weren't quite there for that one. Um, Other than that, it would just be that I wish it was longer. I wish we had more opportunities. We could have just done it for our Bandcamp release, I guess. Um, More tracks, you know, more little interstitial themes, a couple more stage themes. Like, it it seems like it, if it was 27 tracks instead of 20, it feels like it would have been more I mean, if we were making it for an album, we probably would have done different (laughs) things. That's, That's honestly it. I mean, it's all positive, really. The memories working with you, collaborating with you, being excited to plan a time. Oh yeah, I'm going to come home this weekend. And we knew we were going to work on a track and we would finish a track. You know, we'd, we'd write it, we'd arrange it, we'd do the implementation and boom, it was done. And it was, honestly, it was a very easy project to work on. And that sounds weird to say that, but it was, it was, it was easy because we knew each other. We had worked together before, uh, we really got into the groove of how we collaborate, you and me, and we knew the sound. Um, we knew that it wasn't going to be rejected. It was, it was really easy working with Benny. He was really positive and excited. And so it was an easy project in, in the best ways. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, yeah, I think especially now with a little bit of hindsight, I definitely appreciate how much more um, creative control we were given on this project than is often... Yeah a part of 
of this kind of work. So, I mean, I think that was one of the reasons we had so much fun writing the music and I think he wanted us to make stuff that we were happy with. So we were able to yeah. bring in some of our own ideas. We tried to, like, I think that stage select very much honors the kind of Matt Furness thing he was going for. But I just think mm-hmm. naturally through the process of working together and we were trying to write music for this game, not trying to take like, let's do this kind of thing from his reference track. We wanted to make something that felt Norse and that felt like kind of how you would describe this game on paper. So I'm I'm happy with all those choices. I think if there's anything I would change, it'd be a lot of like little nitpicky things here or there or like oh, maybe I would tweak this melody or there's some spot where like, I wish this was a little louder and this was a little quieter or little like nitpicky things. But as far as like my overall feelings and memories of the music, I completely agree. It's like all really positive stuff. And I I miss working on stuff like this with you in person where we have that time to collaborate. Oh, me too. The saddest and the most negative thing is the fact that the game was shelved. And and I got to say that still saddens me. Uh, And I don't even know exactly what happened. Maybe we should email him again. And if if anyone out there is uh, into programming, is into making games, if if anyone wants to finish this game or make it from scratch (laughs) using this music, (laughs) let us know. But yeah, I actually found out on and shout out if Benny, if you're happening to listen to this ever, how's it going? We should we should email each other again. Um, if it is the same Benny, uh, there is someone on LinkedIn with the name uh, that is a QA person at Activision. So maybe now he's doing quality assurance <laughs> at Activision, and that's why he stopped making the game. Hmm. I don't know, but yeah, it was interesting going back to those emails. We had really positive, exciting emails. Even even back in that April 2017, he let us, you know, release it on Bandcamp. He gave us the artwork that is on the Bandcamp <laughs> release. And then that was kind of it. Yeah. I mean, as, as that often happens with things where y- your work is complete. You know, people are paying you to do a service. Yep. I mean, it, it was we were really lucky to get to have a very free collaboration. So I felt like we were, you know, there are some projects where you do it for money and there are other projects you do because you're creatively invested. This is definitely one where we were invested right. in the project. Well, you know, and, and the real sad thing would be if he, he didn't allow us to release the album, that would be truly sad. Um, so it's not really a sad ending because this music is just as vibrant and I'm just as proud of it as if the game was a huge success. So yeah, uh, we look forward to to more games that will actually come out. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it was sad. That's a really <laughs> sad ending, but also kind of perfect. That's kind like of perfect. The, I feel like that's part of our story. Is like nothing that we work on ever actually. Mm-hmm. Well, that's <laughs> why we started to just make albums ourselves. Yeah, and 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 I still continue to do that with with solo projects. I have a handful of games. I think three different games that are you know quote in development that I hope will be finished. But I'm not waiting and like sitting and waiting for those to come out. I'm you know, making other stuff too. You know that's why I did Dreams Aligned and Flashfield and stuff. Because um, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you just got to keep making stuff. You know, it, it doesn't really matter what it's tied to because uh, people will like it if it's good. All right, enjoy credits from Asker. I think that's it. Thanks for joining us for this unique episode, everyone. And you can find this and all of our music at supermercadobros.bandcamp.com. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out.